Today's scripture reading is John 8, 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to Christ Community. My name is Nathan, one of the pastors. Uh, It's good to be with you together today. Let me pray for us and then we will uh, dive into these words from Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would uh, be our light in this place, just even as you claim to be in these words spoken and written down so long ago, be our light. Show us what is good and true and beautiful about our world and about ourselves and where we need your rescue. We love you, Lord Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, outside of my super weird obsession with Johnny Cash, I've never really considered myself uh, a country music fan. Uh, Until until we watched uh, recently the the, the 16-hour Ken Burns uh, history of of country music. Some of you probably have, maybe you've watched this, I don't know. I, don't, I, I assume you have, because why wouldn't you? It's Ken Burns. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, and so, you know, I, I watched this, like, knowing basically nothing about, about country music. Uh, but what's interesting, I mean, you, you know, like, there's so many sad songs, right? It's kind of, kind of what country music is known for. But there's also a whole lot of sad lives, like, like Hank Williams, for, for example. I knew, I knew nothing about him. But in watching this documentary, I was instantly drawn into the darkness surrounding him, as well as his, his longing for light. Because I mean, he wrote one of the most familiar, light-filled, upbeat, sort of classic 
country gospel songs. Some of you, I'm sure, would recognize it. Um, in fact, why don't we just listen to maybe 30 seconds or so. I wondered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I mean, it's hard not to like stomp your feet along with that, right? It's like it's so it's so catchy. Uh, some of you are gonna be singing it long, like all day. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Not sorry. Uh, it, it just gets it gets stuck in your head, right? Now you may you might hate that style of music. Okay, the. The twang of old-timey country is unforgivable, right? I, I get that. And yet there's so much hope in these words, right? Like, even, even as a song continues, like, it goes on, it says, Just like a blind man, I wandered along, worries and fears I claim for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray, but straight is the gate and narrows the way. Now I have traded the wrong for the right, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Now I have, I have little doubt that Hank meant what he said, right? That he somehow he felt these words, he engaged in this story and had seen the light. But by most accounts, he was probably drunk when he wrote it. Um, or hungover, or in between benders. He spent most of his life drunk, actually. Uh, he, he was born with a spinal condition. He was in constant pain most of his life, which certainly would have contributed, at least in part, to his intense alcoholism, morphine addiction, and other very, very destructive behaviors. He died at age 29. Uh, in the back of his car, surrounded by empty beer cans and unfinished songs. Did he see the light? And if so, what good did it do him, right? Now, I, I know that's a, that's a pretty heavy way to start, right? It's dark, it's sad, it's heartbreaking. And yet I think many of us can probably identify at least in part with some of that, right? There's this, this war between light and darkness. I, I certainly can, right? This longing for light, like the good, the true, the beautiful, to want to, 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 to see it, to know it, to walk in it, and yet also this, this feeling of darkness at war within me, right? And so often around us and within us. And so when, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I hear those words, and I want to know how. How can his light overcome my darkness, our darkness? If you haven't already, turn to John chapter 8. 
Now, the previous story that we covered last week uh, ended with the people deeply divided over who Jesus is. Uh, and then you've, you've got, after that, you've got the, the story of the woman caught in adultery. Uh, we wrote a blog about that story in particular, so if you want to know more, you can go and look, look that up. Uh, but it, it's best to read the end of chapter 7 uh, and 8-12 together as, as, as a unit. Jesus is responding, 8-12, Jesus is responding to the controversy around him at the end of chapter 7. They're asking, is he, is he a prophet, right? Is, is he the Messiah? Is he a devil from hell deceiving the people that needs to be crucified, right? They're, they're asking these questions. And so Jesus then, in 8-12, responds. Like, oh, you guys want to know who I am? I am the light of the world. Wait, What? I mean, think about that. Like, who does this guy think that think he is, right? I am the light of the world. Not just, not just Israel's light. Not just the light for the first century. Not just the light for Christians. The light of the world. Which means Jesus is claiming even there to be your light, right? And he says this in a world in which light was a scarce resource. Like, we can't even imagine that, right? We have too much light. Uh, but for, for them, I mean, it was a scarce resource. You, like, you needed a, a candle, right? And how much light does that do? Or, or an oil lamp, or, of course, the sun. Those were your options. And it's, it's no wonder, when you think about the sun, it's no wonder that, yeah, there you go, uh, in case you didn't know what it looked like. Um, it's no wonder in the ancient, ancient cultures, like, you used to worship the sun. And let's be honest, we still, we still kind of worship the sun, don't we? It's like every time I go to the beach, sit there with my fellow sun, sunbathers, right? We're not praying to the sun, but oh, the, you know, the way it feels, right? We kind of worship. And we know what the sun means to us, right? Like there's nothing, there's nothing without the sun. No, no life, no warmth, no beauty, no food. The sun is the literal light of the world. And I almost imagine Jesus like outside looking up, seeing the sun and be like, oh, hey, that reminds me of me. That's who I am. God, if you want to know who I am, that's, I'm like that. Without which, you have nothing. That's me. Without which, you have nothing. Jesus is to life what the Son is to life. Whew. It's a big statement. But how? How can his light overcome our darkness? I think there are three ways we see that in this, this story. Three ways in which Jesus enables us to truly see, to see through the darkness and overcome it. So first, first, when we see the light, we see our world. Just like the sun. Uh, if there's no sun, you cannot see, right? And Jesus is saying the same, that he is the light by which we see everything else by which we see and understand our world. The only way, actually, that we truly understand reality is to begin with him. Verse, verse 12. Verse 12 again. So he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. 
Okay, so they're, they're arguing about what's, what's true, right? And the, the Pharisees, for the most part, they're, they're convinced, like, Jesus, you're a carpenter's son from Galilee, okay? You, you are nobody. We know where you came from. And, and Jesus' response is, you have no idea, actually. You, you don't know how far back I go, right, is what he's, he's getting at. You have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. Now, now notice, too, Jesus starts this section again. We talked about this uh, either last week or maybe a couple weeks ago. Oh, it starts... But, this phrase, I am, right? We talked about how, how significant that is in John. Like that's, that's the name for God in the Old Testament, Yahweh, I am. And at the end of the chapter, of chapter 8, it's even more explicit. Uh, Jesus basically said, you want to know, know where I, I came from? He says, before Abraham was, I am. I know it's kind of weird for us to get our minds around it, but they, they try to stone him after that. They know what he's claiming. They know that he's claiming to be, to be God. Like, Jesus, Jesus is saying in that spot, like, you want to know where I come from, where I'm going? Like, I, I'm from before the beginning. Like, I have no beginning. That he's the, the creator, the sustainer. And where's it, where it all going? First to a cross, then to an empty tomb, and eventually to this earth remade where he rules as king forever and ever in eternity in the future. Which means, and this is Jesus, so don't get mad at me, okay? I mean, he's, he's essentially saying, you cannot understand our world. You cannot understand your reality if you do not understand me. Which is offensive, right? This is why they kill him, essentially. And the reality is, like, we, we live in a world in which we're in a constant argument over what's true, aren't we? And Jesus says, if you want to know, start with me. I love how former atheist C.S. Lewis summarizes this after he became a Christian. He, he, he writes, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Wow. How does Jesus help us see our world, see through the darkness of our world? Well, we can, we can summarize the story of Jesus or the story of the Bible or the story of reality, of the world, right, in, in four parts, essentially. Uh, creation, fall, redemption, new creation. Maybe, maybe you've heard this, this framework. If you want to understand the Bible, if you want to understand what Christians believe about reality, this is our story. Creation, fall, redemption, new creation. So, so creation is what ought to be. So you look, you look back at the garden and you see what... what what did God intend for reality to, to be like? What did, he, what did he mean for the world, right? And we find out there that we were created in God's image to know him and to be known by him, to, to be in love, like in community with one another. Like this is, so you, you look back, that explains beauty and love and joy and meaning and purpose and, and all of those things. This is, this is what ought to be. And so in any situation that you encounter, you should always ask, what ought to be? What, what, what is God's intent in this situation right now? What ought to be? And then what is the fall? So we rebelled and everything broke, right? We rebelled against God. We broke ourselves. We broke our world. This explains death, disease, sin, selfishness, violence, all the bad stuff, all the darkness. It doesn't, it doesn't belong, but it, it's what is, right? And so this, this guards us from being too optimistic, because we know how broken our world is, and yet it doesn't leave us without hope because we go to what, what can be, right? What ought, what is, what can. This is redemption. That God did not give up on, a, on, on his world. 
The light, the light has come and he offers us life even now where we as his people are agents of his redemption, agents of light, right? This explains why everybody has this innate desire to make the world a better place, right? to make our environment a better place and to work to that end. It's our longing for forgiveness, for restoration. This is what can be. And so, again, in every situation, you can ask, well, what can be? What ought to be? What is? And what can be? What, what can change? What can be better? And then, of course, what will be? New creation. That our world is headed somewhere. That our lives actually matter for the, more than just the 10 minutes it feels like we get on planet Earth. That Jesus is going to remake our world where he will be our light. And so this explains hope, meaning, purpose. This is what will be. And so this is, this is the story. Like when Jesus says, you don't know where I came from or where I'm going, this is what he means, the, the totality of, of, of reality, right? This is his story, this is our story, and when we see his light, we see our world, we understand it differently. And so you've, you've got to ask yourself, what lens do you use to see the world? Like we, all, we all have some sort of glasses on, right, through which we see the reality around us that help us, like, interpret reality. We're all, we're all trying to make sense of the world, aren't we? doesn't matter who you are or what you believe. We're all trying to make sense. And so for some, it's our friends. Like, that's our dominant place where we understand uh, the world. It could be our political party for some of us. It could be the American dream or whatever our, whatever our culture tells us to, to love and to value. All of us are grasping for light, right, for something, for anything to tell us what our world is and what our role is, right? How we should live. But according to Jesus, it is only when he is our lens, it's only when he is our light, that we can even begin to see our world. That's the first thing. Second, when we see the light, we see ourselves. We see ourselves. This is the scary part, people, right? Because you don't want to look that close. I mean, this, this light, it's, it's intense enough to, to shine in every dark corner, every closet, every little hidden nook and cranny of our lives, right? The places, the places where, if you're honest, you don't even want to see inside you, right? More or less to let others into those places. I don't want you to see all of me. But this light sees everything. Look at, look at verse 15. Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. So he, he said it, making a case that he, the light of the world, that he, he is our judge. He's the judge of the world. Go down to verse, verse 21 then. He says, so, so he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So this, this light exposes our darkness. It exposes our sin. It shows you what's, what's really true about yourself, the places where no one else that no one else can see. For example, maybe this is a silly example. I mentioned uh, a while back that we had a, a tree uh, fall in our front yard. Big, 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 big tree, right? Um, and it looked perfectly healthy. Like, you, you can see, like, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of green on that tree, Right? Uh, it had every, every evidence that it was, that it was flourishing, frankly, like, like a lot of us when we come to church. You know, you wear, you wear certain clothes, you put on a certain face, right? You can fake it for an hour or two, right? We, we try to do that. Everything on the outside looks 
great. But what I couldn't see was that this massive, healthy-looking tree was almost entirely hollow from top to bottom. It was rotting from the bottom up and from the top down, right? It's empty. Actually, there's another picture you can see a little better after I did all of my work, right? There's only a few complete logs in there, right? It's hollow. And my first thought when I saw that tree was, okay, I'm really glad it didn't fall in the house. Uh, my second thought was, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that in a sermon at some point, uh, right? <laughs> and then after that, like, it, it was like, yeah, is that me? Is that us? Every evidence of, of flourishing. Man, you look like you have your life together. You're doing great, right? Every evidence you and I have, but is there death inside? Is it just hollow in there? I mean, this, this is what the light does. The things that you could never see, like the, that you prefer to, to remain hidden and unexposed. The light shows you what's hidden. It shows you what you're made of. And it can be terrifying, right? I mean, just, just ask yourself, what does a light expose, right? If there, if there is nothing hidden in your life, on display for all to see, like what? Where, where do you feel the most fear or shame at that idea? Like if Jesus were to shine a light into the deepest recesses of your heart, what would he see? Would he see life there? Or would he see death? Even just go back to the metaphor of the sun. I mean, the sun is good, right? And yet we all know the sun can kill you, right? Don't stare directly at it, right? We wear sunglasses. We put on, we put on sunscreen. Like too much can, can burn you, like... We need protection from its ever-piercing rays. And the reason God's light can be so scary to us is because we're not sure what he's going to do when he sees. We're kind of in denial that he he already sees, right? But we're we're afraid. If we're we're honest, because we know what each other would do. Like, if you could see who I truly am, you'd run. It's just too much junk, too much, too much heartache, too much pain. We would want to run, and we're afraid that God is going to do the same to us. But this is what's so beautiful about Jesus. He doesn't run away from the darkness. He runs toward it with a light to bring healing and restoration, right? That, that he is the piercing light by, by which... Um, you know, the, the, like the piercing light by which we see our, our world, by which we see ourselves, and it is, it is bleak. But he's also the shade in the scorching desert. He's our hope. And this is, this is the third thing. That when we, when we see the light, we see our hope. We see our hope because we don't have to get burned. We don't have to be blinded He offers us rescue in life. Look again, starting in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe, like this is is the instruction here, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just as I've been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I, what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, that's, that's a, meta, a reference to the cross of where he's going, right? His death. Then you will know that I am he, 
and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. You see, when we, when we see our world rightly, and, our, and ourselves rightly, like there, there should be a sense of desperation that we feel, right? Of, of exposure. And in that place of desperation, you can run from the light, right? You can do your best to get away from it. You can try to, to bury it deeper and deeper in the darkness of the basement. Or, Jesus says, you can believe. You can believe him, that he is who he says he is. Putting your trust and hope in him. Receiving his love and forgiveness. You don't have to, I mean, this is what he said, you don't have to die in your sins. I mean, nobody, nobody wants a world without light, right? How, how depressing would that be? I mean, what would happen if the sun just disappeared? Actually, if you Google that, there's an article uh, on the, the, Discovery, the Discovery Channel website um, with that title. Uh, if, so here's how it starts. If the, if the sun suddenly blinked out of existence, you'd have nothing to worry about for the first eight minutes. <laughs> After that, all hell would break loose. So it takes eight minutes, you know, for the light to travel. So we, we would all be in just complete ignorance, a delightful, blissful ignorance for eight minutes. It could be, could be dead right now, the sun. Just time it, we could wait, I guess, I don't know. Um, it's a terrifying thought, right? And then uh, the article goes on, it would actually take a, a few days for the temperature to drop. We'd be in almost complete darkness, you'd still have the stars, right? Uh, almost almost t- total darkness, but within two months, it would be so cold that the surface of the oceans would completely freeze over in two months. The atmosphere would collapse, radiation would seep in, and Earth, according to them, would be an inhospitable wasteland drifting aimlessly through space. Great, something else to worry about, Right? Friends, the sun is not the light of the world. Jesus is. And listen, listen again to what he offers us right here. Because with this simple, this simple verse, right, there, there's an action step and a promise, right? He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, there's, there's the action step, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Essentially, Jesus says that if you walk in the light, you will never walk in the darkness. It's a pretty powerful statement, right? And so there, there's our action step, walk in the light, follow me, right, is what he's saying. I mean, if you, were, if you were lost in the dark and somebody handed you a flashlight, you would probably take it, right? I can't imagine not doing that. For it's, it's by his light that we understand our world, we see ourselves, and we are given hope. But he's not just claiming to be light generically like in some generic sense, right? He's claiming to be your light. The one who defines your reality. Your relationships, your habits, your hobbies, the things that you don't want anyone to see. And following him means bringing that light with you wherever you go, right? Into, into your office, into your family, into your neighborhood, those hard decisions, those places of really, really dark anxiety, right? That he wants to show you the way in those places through faith and obedience to him, to follow him. 
For without him, our lives are like the earth without the sun, a wasteland drifting aimlessly through space. And when we do walk in the light, when we follow him, when we, when we put our trust, our belief, our hope on him, like just sit in this promise for a moment. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Even, we kind of lose some of it in the, in the translation there. In the, in the Greek, and some, some translations have it a little bit differently, but in the Greek, the, the phrase there, will not walk in darkness, there's actually a double negative. Uh, and in Greek, when that happens, it's different than English, right? It cancels it out in English. And in, in Greek, it actually intensifies it. It, it, it is meant to be stronger. It's like, it's like their way of saying never, right? By using a double negative. Never, ever, like no way ever, that you will never walk in darkness, now, that, that can't mean that you'll never stumble back into the darkness of sin. Certainly, we know that experience, right? I mean, Hank Williams saw the light, but couldn't ever shake his addictions. It also doesn't mean that you'll somehow be immune from the darkness around you, right? The suffering and pain of, of living in a broken world, a world that is, right? Just as, as Hank suffered chronic pain and died so young. But here's what it does mean. You, you will never walk in it. Like it, won't, it won't define you. It won't consume you. It won't swallow you up. Even, even, when, the, and even when the darkness attacks, this is what's so beautiful about this problem, even when we know the darkness is going to attack, of course it's going to, Jesus says you will have the light of life, which he just said is him, right? That you will have him with you. That you will never be alone. That he will never walk out of those scary places in your life, even those places where you are most plagued by your own shame, that Jesus will never leave you. It's not that there won't be darkness in your life. Of course there will be. But it is often in those darkest places in which Jesus shines brightest. I mean, it's kind of a specialty, because this is what we see on the cross, isn't it? I mean, that was the darkest day. And, and literally, as he was crucified, the, the gospel writers tell us it got darker in the middle of the day. As Jesus took all of our sin, all of our darkness upon himself and suffered there on the cross for us. It was the darkest darkness. I mean, so much so that, that the Father actually like, abandons him, turns his back on him as he suffers for our sin. But the reality is Jesus was abandoned there on the cross so that you and I never have to be. That he experienced the darkest darkness so that when we face it, when we, when we experience our own issues or places of, of darkness in our life, that we know he's, he's been there. He knows what it feels like. And he actually entered into the darkness so that he could walk with us through it. Safe to the other side. And he burst forth from the ground in glorious light, proving that he's victorious. And listen, I don't, I don't know if Hank Williams was a Christian or not. That's up to God. But I feel so deeply what he described. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came. I love this, this line. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you do that? 
Would you come again into our lives, into our world, like a stranger in the night? Would you show us your light? Help us to understand our world, our lives. Show us even the darkest places that we don't want to see so that we may experience your healing, your redemption, the forgiveness that you purchased for us on the cross. And may we then walk in it with great joy. We pray this in Jesus' name.